Chris Kringle is what most people refer to me uh, as. Um, Santa Claus, Père Noel, a uh, lot of different different names. Um, but uh, Papa Noel is one of my favorites, or just um, Ho Ho. I have discovered is a very southern name for Santa. Um, tonight at Zaxby's, uh, Santa was enjoying free photographs with children and having little arts and crafts for them to do, and just a chance to get a candy cane, tell Santa what they want for Christmas, and maybe even have a cookie or two. Can you tell me what that was like, what the experience was like tonight? It was a lot of fun. I saw a whole pile of really sweet families uh, that came out and uh, dressed to the nines, some of them. I uh, saw a couple folks who weren't sure what to do with Santa. They weren't expecting Santa to come with their chicken dinner tonight, uh, but it was a lot of fun. Your Kringle transformation all started because in 2007, the year you joined WZDX-TV, they needed a Santa for their Christmas party. That's according to your book, um, A Heart Big Enough for Santa. And that was not you, but... You did borrow the costume for your light show, your infamous light show. Can, can you talk about that night, that transformative night? I can. That's a great story. And I'm really glad that you are a really good reporter and have that date because I have been trying for the life of me to remember when did this all start. And it was a cool thing at work. Uh, we had, uh, I work at a television station here in town and we were having an office Christmas party and our sales manager was going to be Santa. And I was tasked with going to Party City and purchasing said Santa suit. And to that point, I had not an inkling about Santa or wanting to be a Santa at all. It never really dawned on me at all. Uh, I was very much into Halloween back then and being very creepy, scary, un-Santa things. But <laughs> this particular year, I bought the suit and I brought it back to work and we were getting our sales manager all dressed and it, he had a great time with it. I just stood there and watched. But it dawned on me that in front of my house, I had this huge musical light show that people would come by in droves to see. And every night I would, uh, I'd often just stand out there as me, not as Santa, of course, at all, and just hand out candy canes and, and tell people thanks for coming by. And I thought, hey, what if I borrowed this Santa suit uh, and brought it home and stood out front as Santa? And the thing that that first got me was I did not have my whole beard the way I have now, my natural beard. I just had a kind of a short black beard. And so I put on the big fake beard sort of thing, the faux beard that they sell with the Santa suits. And I realized it was a cold night and Every time I breathed, it would freeze in the beard, and it was just miserable. And then I realized I couldn't eat cookies uh, through it too well. So I said, I'm pretty sure if I wanted to do this all the time, I should grow up my own beard. So, But the, uh, the first night, I stood out front, and a whole van full of children, and I probably shouldn't talk about this, but it's many years ago, um, way more than I'm sure was legally allowed to be in that van, all unloaded. It was like something out of a comedy, like a clown car, and the kids just kept coming out of the back of the van and running up to Santa and getting candy canes and hugging. And the mom in tears asked me if she could please take a photo. How much would it cost to take a photo with me with her children? She had spent all afternoon at the mall and could not get a chance to see Santa and take a photo. And I said, there's no cost at all. Of course, take all the photos you want. And that's when it hit. It, it dawned on me this is special. This is not just a red suit. And so I vowed that the next year I would maybe take it to another level and I grew my beard out fuller. I didn't have the idea to actually have it professionally salon manicured to be white. Um, I found a makeup product that was 
for all intents and purposes, white paint, and you apply it with a toothbrush. I was offered a job at a uh, local Christmas tree farm uh, to be their professional Santa, and that was my first paying job. And the rest, as they say, is going down in history with Rudolph. I want you to talk more about that sort of magical moment that you create for these kids. Because in your book, you said it's kind of like meeting the president or God. So can you talk about how you live up to that every single Christmas season, how you've done that for over 10 years? Well, it's, it's been a learned thing. Like many things in life, you learn your new tasks. Uh, I have always loved children, but I didn't know how to relate to them in such a costumed, you know, eternal figure form, I guess. And uh, way back then, there were a lot of books that you could get uh, that I read from cover to cover about how to be a really good Santa. One of the things that um, I'm going to make a little fun of, of you for, they're not kids, their children. There is a wonderful documentary that has a lady, uh, Susan, and I can't, can't remember her last name, and she does a Santa school for new Santas. And she asks everybody to bring a roll of nickels, and they are to pay up every time they say the word kids. <laughs> they have to pay a nickel because they are children. And it's just a little more elegant. It's a little more classic. It's a little more mythical figure like but it, that's kind of part of it it's it's all those little things um there's a lot of practical details santa's hands i always have white gloves and they're always pretty much always in the photo somewhere because that can be an issue uh for a lot of people where are santa's hands you shouldn't have to think about things like that but that's what makes the difference in I'm just wearing a costume or I'm a professional. I've been to many seminars. I've given many seminars. Uh, I have been to so many clause conventions and hobnobbed with fellow clauses. And you just, you learn it. And it becomes, after a while, it becomes very second nature. You have, I, I equate it sometimes to being a bit of a stand-up comedian um, and hecklers. And children don't mean to be hecklers, but they will say anything because they're children. They they don't come with filters, and that's what we love about them. Um, somebody asked me the other day, why does Santa have a mouth? <laughs> and I, I honestly was stumped. I said, well, of course, to smile for the pictures. And their father came up with a better answer. He said, well, he has to eat all the cookies. And so that is now my answer for this day forward. Anytime someone says, why does Santa have a mouth? Well, I have to eat the cookies. So you're constantly learning. I, I learn something new every year. But uh, it's a learned ability. It's a skill. And anyone who does this from the heart will tell you they're always learning. Talking about learning how to be a better Santa, um, I, like many people, I'm sure, have recently watched the documentary that came out on HBO uh, called Santa Camp, and, you know, you have Santa Clauses, Mrs. Clauses, elves, all there to learn how to be better holiday performers. You said that you've gone to these conventions, um, and you've seen the documentary as well, Santa Bob, so... Can you can you sort of make any comparisons from your personal experience to what you saw in that documentary? It's all very much real, just like that. You have a lot of jitters. I still get nervous every time I go to somewhere that I've not been before. Like these restaurant visits are very different for me. But it was a wonderful documentary. Uh, I loved the diversity factor because a lot of people do equate Santa with a very certain stereotype. He's an old white man. But in a lot of places in society today, 
there's a lot of diversity needed and there's nothing wrong with that at all. And I love that part of the documentary that there was a black Santa, that there was a Santa with spina bifida, that there was a trans Santa. It was so enlightening and it was so wonderful to see a lot of the older Santas who were maybe a little more set in their ways and didn't know what to make of any of this, and they learned something from it. Uh, not only did the new Santas learn things, but the old Santas learned that there are many ways to be Santa. I was talking to you before, in Huntsville you said there's even a, a diverse pool of holiday performers. Can you talk about what that looks like here in Huntsville? In Huntsville, there are probably, that I know of, there are about a dozen different professional Santas uh, who work at places like Santa's Village or uh, out at Bridge Street. Gary Knight has been a Santa for many years, and Gary is a very special Santa. He, uh, he does an amazing job. He has the most beautiful suit uh, that was made uh, by the folks with Fantasy Playhouse. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of diversity in the Huntsville Santa community. It's a wonderful group of gentlemen. Um, I don't know of anyone who has hasn't been doing it uh, probably at least five or ten years and they just put their whole heart into it it's it's so cool can you talk on the importance of having that representation for a child to see a Santa Mrs. Claus that looks like them Oh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, in today's world, and especially after COVID, a lot of children haven't even been out of the house. Uh, I've had a lot of children come up, and you can tell it's not that they're just afraid to see Santa. It's it's anybody in general. They haven't been out and about. And so why wouldn't we want to make them as comfortable as possible? And if someone looks more like them, then that's a great thing. And maybe that puts them at ease, and they realize that Santa is their friend. Because that's what we're all trying to do at the end of the day. We're trying to spread a little good Christmas cheer. And the children, they need it, of course. The adults need it more. And that's the thing I wish we could learn from a lot of my Santa visits. I've never had a child that I wanted to be upset with, ever. It's never happened. Parents are a whole different story, unfortunately, because, you know, you get in your head of how you want your child to behave while they're with Santa or something like that. And it becomes, it's kind of like sports things. You know, you have the parents who are a little overzealous and it can be the same thing with Santa. But at the end of the day, we want to have fun. We want to have magic. We want to have a belief in someone that is wonderful and kind and brings us Christmas presents. And from your jolly perspective, what sort of advice would you give parents who may be in that overzealous category, how they can improve uh, that visit, that special visit with Santa? Well, I know that a lot of parents have expectations or they want a certain photo, and that's fine. But if your child is not comfortable around Santa, and we've all seen that, the little two-year-olds that will just melt down and scream. And yes, it makes funny pictures, but if the child is truly being traumatized by it, perhaps it's time to stop. Come back later. Do something else. Don't keep pushing. Uh, that's the biggest thing, I think, that I've seen. Let's talk about something Pretty life-changing that happened to you uh, back in 2011, is that correct? You had a pretty serious heart attack. And later down the road, a couple of years, you, you needed a heart transplant. And that was sort of a miraculous thing because, again, in the book, uh, you say that it took four hours to find your match, which is unheard of. Can you talk about what you went through in that moment when you found out, I have my match, I'm going to go through with this? 
You know, it's, it's easy to talk about now, uh, so many years later, but when it all happened, it was, it was so fast. The heart attack happened in August of 2011. They evaluated me for the transplant in January of 2012. About six months had passed and they realized the heart was so damaged that it could not be repaired. It needed replaced. And I remember after they did an evaluation at UAB in Birmingham, they uh, were all done and said, okay, you can go back home and we'll put you on the waiting list. And I said, well, do you have a general idea of how long I might have to wait? And they said, well, it could be six weeks. It could be six months with your blood type and size and all that sort of thing. But, you know, there's really no way to know, obviously. And I said, okay, well, that sounds good. And I went home and they, uh, I actually did some waiting to make sure the insurance factors were all in place and everything was going to work out. But I remember I called on uh, a Tuesday afternoon. It was uh, Mardi Gras Tuesday. And I called my heart transplant coordinator person. And I said, I figured out the insurance. Blue Cross is all good to go. Go ahead and officially put me on the list. And that was around 2.30. I think I was at work at that time. And um, that they said uh, before I got home, they said, now make sure your phone can accept unknown phone numbers. And they don't give you a beeper or anything. They just call you. But that evening at nine o'clock, my phone went off and it said unknown number. And I thought, no, there's no way. And it turns out the time frame, yes, they put me on the list around 5 p.m. And at 9 p.m., they found a match. And it was, when it was all said and done, it was a 70 to 80% tissue match. It was, it's a miracle. I just call it a Christmas miracle. Um, I don't worry about the lottery. I have used all the luck that I will ever have uh, in that. And I'm so blessed and I'm so happy to know my donor family and be a Santa to them. Uh, but yes, it's it's still some sort of strange record at UAB, Bob, the four hour wait for a heart. <laughs> it gave me a realization of my mortality. And so I'm very blessed. I have a gift. I have a big beard and I have a jolly persona and I can spread that cheer around. That's uh, when I wrote my letter to my donor family to try and get in touch with them. I said, I'm trying to do as much with this gift of this new heart that I can. Uh, I'm a professional Santa and I try to spread joy as much as I can. And that's one of the things that just motivates me all the time to do as much as I can and as many events as I can and just try to put myself out there. It's also a 20 year younger heart. So I'm a 56 year old Kringle with a 36 year old heart. <laughs> and I have so much energy to be able to get out and do events nonstop. So it's, it's been a blessing and I'm thankful every day for it. Tell me more about your relationship with this family, because you, in your house you have pictures of you and them together making a heart with some candy canes. Um, do you have any sort of traditions with them, or do you have a regular visitation with them, or...? We do every year. Uh, we have uh, his his sister, uh, my donor's sister, has uh, two beautiful daughters, and uh, we have taken photos with them every year. I have met uh, the oldest daughter uh, since the day she was born, and I have held that child in my lap when she was about maybe five, six months old, and I, I have never seen a child look at me the way that child does, and I know it's there's a connection. Her uncle is in her somehow and sees me or she sees her uncle in me. It's 
it used to really scare me quite honestly because it was it's so moving i still get teared up about it today um but it's it's a very special bond we've taken photos with them every year it's a little unnerving when i go to their house there's a whole hallway full of gigantic portraits of every year's photo uh with with evie and now there'll be ones with sophie her her little sister so you have all this energy as you said with this brand new heart and just going on your website, Santa Bob's website, you can see your schedule is jam-packed. So can you talk about, oh, you are showing me a printout of this schedule. I see yellow, red, and green. Can you talk about what we're seeing here? Every green date is somewhere where I will be wearing a red suit. Uh, the, oh. the two red dates are the only dates in December that I will not (laughs) be doing that um, before Christmas. Um, The color coding, like the yellow ones, are all the little Zaxby's things just to kind of break them out. These are bad Santa tours that we do with the Rocket City Rover uh, thing. And it's just all broken down. Almost every day there is a single event. If you look at the weekends, many of the days on Saturdays and Sundays, there are four events. A lot of times it starts at 10 in the morning and ends at 10 at night. Uh, So it's, and again, that's just me wanting to give back uh, as much as I can. And most people want to have Santa visit on the weekends. But yeah, it's, it's a little, it's a little crazy. This is, I think this is the busiest year I've ever had. Um, COVID, we did things differently. We did visits uh, on the web from the workshop and, uh, you know, had a whole Zoom visit with Santa. But I think this is the first year people truly feel safe to get back out and, and have personal visits. I've had a lot of requests for birthday visits at home and things like that. So it's crazy busy this year. Because you work at a TV station as well, you have to find some kind of balance and some time to breathe. How do you do that? Well, again, uh, I'm very lucky. My job requires me to work usually from 1 to 10 in the evening. Um, So I have daytime visits are easy to do. I also have a very wonderful crew that helps back me up and can cover for me when I'm not there, uh, which is what happened tonight. I had a director come in and work on our early newscast, and I'll go in in just a few minutes, and I'll do our evening newscast at 9 o'clock. So I'm, I'm very blessed in that I have that regular job to help keep the heart transplant meds coming and all that sort of thing, but they're also very understanding for me to be able to come and go a little bit as I need to during December. I see right here your special Santa Bob bucket Mm -hmm. that has all the candy canes. Where do the candy canes come from, Santa Bob? Uh, Well, of course, you know, there are these two special elves. Uh, One is called Twinkie and the other one is Jingles. They are in charge of the candy cane line. And every October, they kind of ramp it up because they know how many I'm going to need. One of the things that someone said in that documentary, and I've said it for years, you're being paid to lie to children. Uh, It's not, or, you know, sometimes you're doing it for free, but basically the job of Santa is to lie to children. <laughs> and that's a, you know, most people would think it's a terrible thing. I, I don't like to call it lying. I say painting a picture of magic and the belief that children have in something wonderful and real. But when you get down to the business part of it, yes, there's a lot of magic that involves uh, finding the best bargain in two-for-one candy canes. Stemming from that, I want you to tell me, have you taken any improv classes or anything else to be so quick on your feet because you have no clue what this uh, this child who is sitting on your lap or standing next to you is going to ask? 
I have not. Uh, I have been asked to take part in a couple of improv things, but it's not something I've ever professionally tried to do. Uh, like yourself, my career in broadcasting actually started in radio. And back when I started in radio, you know, you had to go out and have the horses turn the generator to get the thing. Like, no, it was, but, but things were very different back then. There were actual records, there were tapes, things went wrong all the time. And so you, part of being a disc jockey back then was the ability to think on your feet and figure out how am I going to kill five minutes until the tape thing gets cleared up or whatever. Um, so I think that's where it may have started. Um, in years after the heart transplant, I don't know what's happened. I also do a lot of tour guiding here in town, and that's taught me storytelling. And I don't know where the ability to think on my feet and come up with an answer just like that has come from. I'm very thankful for it because it, it does come in very handy with the no-filter children that sit in your lap all day. Uh, but one of, one of the greatest compliments I ever had, I was working at a brunch event here in town, and a very well-dressed little guy about 10 years old uh, came over and just stood there with his arms crossed, and it was 20 questions with Santa Bob. It was, <laughs> how many reindeer are there? Where do you do that? Why do you? And every, every question imaginable, and I just kept answering as best as I could, and I usually always go with the first thing that pops in my head. Um, a lot of times I borrow from very well-known sources called Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and Santa Claus is coming to town, like Mrs. Claus is, of course, Jessica, who used to have red hair and sang a song by a fountain. That, that <laughs> That helps out a lot. Um, but seriously, when he got done, he just kept coming back. He'd go away for five minutes and he'd come back. After about an hour, he came back with a whole bunch of his little friends. And he said, that's him. Ask him anything. That's really him. He knows everything. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. That was the best compliment I could ever get as a Santa. So. Is there anything else that you would like to add, Santa Bob, before we go today? I always like to end with a little bit about the heart and... I always try to, I, I write a lot of things on my Facebook page, um, things heard while wearing the red suit. And usually at Christmas time, on Christmas Eve, when I'm done for the season, I'll, I'll put a very meaningful post together. And I like to try to remind people that the world is still a good place. And I think you are very aware of this as I am. We both work in the world of broadcasting. And our job, unfortunately, is to bring people bad news sometimes. And one of the things when I first started and wanted to have a career in my life, I wanted to entertain people. I wanted to originally do theater lighting and concert lighting, and somehow that morphed over into TV, and then I realized when I started working in television news that I have done the complete opposite of what I wanted to do. I'm not really entertaining people. I'm not taking them away from their problems. I'm bringing them to them in, in full color, unfortunately, sometimes. So this this ability to be the happiest person in the world and spread some cheer has meant a lot to me in the years that I've done it. And I always try to tell people to find the Santa in themselves, especially at this time of year. It's not hard. It's not the amount of the gift. It's not the cost of the gift. It's not how well it's wrapped. It's what's inside. It's what's in your heart. It's what you can give back to someone else. And it can be anybody. It can be a stranger in the coffee shop lay down $5 and buy their coffee that day. It might mean the world to them. They might pay it back to somebody else. It could be that uncle you haven't spoken to in years because of the cranberry dressing incident that happened in 1983. Let that stuff go. Life is too short. Life is a wonderful gift. 
I've had a very lucky thing happen to me. I got to live again. I got a second chance when I should have died from a heart attack. No, I'm still here 11 years later, and I want to definitely pass on to people that you can make a difference, especially at Christmas and all year long. Find the Santa in you and go out and do something nice for somebody else and just be nice to each other. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Santa Bob. It was wonderful to talk to you. No problem. I appreciate you having us in at the North Pole.